This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and today you're listening to episode 118. Today, my guest is Sarah Lacey. Sarah is the founder of Linking Indie Women, which is a really cool space for women in the city of Indianapolis to connect, inspire, and share their stories. Sarah works in tech and found herself over 10 years ago looking for a space to connect with other women. And so she created this community that is incredible and has been sharing stories, highlighting amazing women in the city of Indianapolis for 10 years now. Uh, I actually had the opportunity to be a speaker at one of their events. It was a great experience for me. And Sarah's also the mother of four. So we talk about linking indie women, work, motherhood, divorce, and I hope that you leave this conversation feeling inspired to chase your dreams, to connect with other people, and not be scared to dream big. All right, friends, if you do love this podcast, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify so that people can hear about us and we can continue sharing these incredible stories that people are living in their lives, share the awesome work from incredible nonprofit founders and employees and people that are doing life-changing work. We appreciate you for being here. Enjoy my conversation with Sarah Lacey. All right. Well, today on the Illuminate podcast, we have Sarah Lacey on the show. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. We've known each other from, I don't know, not really afar. We've been connected in the Indianapolis community for, I think, all of my, almost all of my professional career in indie, thanks to Linking Indie Women. So this is really fun to to hear from you on the show. Well, it's exciting to be on the show because when we first met, um, I think you were at Back on My Feet. Yeah. And you came to an event after running and I just thought, this is what it's all about. Just come as you are, just come and connect with women. So yeah, it's great to have you, to see how you and your family and your career have just, just blossomed. So it's just been wonderful. It's pretty crazy. You know, uh, shout out to Beth Olson. She's the one that brought me <laughs> love Beth Olson. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of just crazy because at that point, I think I was probably like 26. I didn't have any kids. It was like, I guess this is my second job out of school. And um, man, you, you just don't know what you don't know. But I was so, so fresh to the world of adulthood at that time. Well, you look like a pro. <laughs> you look like you know what you're doing. Do you remember um, by chance who the speaker was? Yes. But- yes. It was Carly and Mandy from Just Pop In. Okay. Yes. 
Yep. They were the first, that was the first linking indie win, women event I went to and they're amazing. They're from my husband's hometown. Mm-hmm. So I always thought that was super cool. Just pop in for everybody listening. It's a, it's a local store and storefront in, in Indianapolis. They have gourmet popcorn. They have, they sell it at the airport. Now they do custom events. They're all over the place. They've just, they have this beautiful, beautiful house in, in Broad Ripple where they have a little restaurant now too. Just love those ladies. Yeah, genuine, just full of joy, women. And it's interesting, they started out as accountants. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so Sarah, tell us a little bit about your background. Like before linking Indie Women, like what were you doing uh, professionally? So professionally, I was uh, ingrained in the startup world in Indianapolis. So I I was going really from startup to startup. I had started in sales. Um, I was the first salesperson at a company called Bontu. <laughs> um, and then I built out the sales team. We were calling on um, sports teams and we became really successful at that, um, a voice marketing solution. So I've always been really, really excited about technology and what technology can do. Um, but I found myself surrounded by all men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of. um, and so I found myself at, a, at another startup called Ride On Interactive. And um, the CEO at the time was like, you should network more and you should go out. And I, I was like, okay, I'll go to another networking event. <laughs> and it was more men. And, and it was just very eye-opening to me of how kind of underrepresented women are um, in technology, but also just in, in networking, this was 11 years ago. So um, going all the way back to then, before we had Lean In, before we had, you know, Brene Brown or um, even TED Talks, before we had any of that, we just, it was, it was eye-opening. So um, yeah, I, I went to my CEO, uh, Troy, had said, you know, I want you to go to this CEO event at the Skyline club and you know you could take my spot and I was a salesperson at the time I thought oh this is fantastic again (laughs) um I think it was Brad Stevens who was speaking at the time and he was sharing his story became you know the head coach of the Boston Celtics um it wasn't at that time I don't believe um I think he was the Butler head coach at that time but anyway so I'm sitting there and again, there's all these men and I look over and there's this woman, her name was Cecilia Whitfield and it was just me and her, <laughs> just her and I just, just there. And I, you know, gravitated towards each other. We sat next to each other and she starts telling me her story and she starts talking about this business that she created, um, essentially just helping families stay connected to their families that are in prison. So when she's been doing this for 25 years, maybe 20 years at the time um, in Indianapolis. And I thought to myself, this is an incredible story. And why don't we know more about women like you in our city? Mm. And so she, long story short, she, um, she had 25 buses going to all the different prison systems. Um, she had an offer profit. She was going back to get her business degree so she could learn how to run it. It was just an incredible story that I was just so inspired by. And I wanted more of that in my life. And I wanted to feel more connected. And 
um, and transcend, you know, industries. So not just technology, but um, everything. I, I felt like we needed a place for women to share their stories, get connected, to really start to help each other. And that's really kind of how it all started. So. Sarah, this is so it's so amazing to hear that you just had that vision and you kind of just went for it. I mean, as you're <laughs> explaining that, I'm sitting here thinking, is there something like that here in Raleigh? Like, you know, because when I lived in Indy, I suppose I didn't attend Lincoln Indy Women too much. My kids were really little for a long time mm-hmm. and just the time of day ended up being really hard because I was like partially a stay-at-home mom. Um, but right now in my life, I could do that. And I'm in a mm-hmm. new city. I don't know very many people here. I certainly don't know people professionally. And I feel like if I moved to a new city and I could plug right into something like that, that would be incredible. I absolutely agree. <laughs> have you fran- have um, you thought about franchising? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are different kinds of groups in different cities, but like the specific niche for women. And, and I will specifically say too, um, for everybody listening, like it doesn't matter if you are in tech or if you're the CEO of a company, or if you're like me and you host podcasts, like everybody feels welcome at linking indie women. Thank you. And that's, that's the goal. So yes, I have thought about it. I've had women reach out to me and say, I'm going to start this here. Can you help me? And I have, but it never really got off the ground. I have children of my own. And I also work for a tech company um, on the West Coast, which keeps me very busy. So it's something that I've always dreamed of doing because I think there's a huge need. And I think that it just starts with one person and another person that believes in you, right? And I, I, I think it was Simon Kinetic. I can't remember who it was. It was like how to start, how to start a... Um, a, a movement and it's there's like a, a YouTube and there's one person that gets up dancing and then the next person dances and then the next person dances and then the next thing you know everybody's in this crowd is dancing and I feel like um in some ways that's how Linking Any Women started it was it was just I said this is something that we need I hate hated public speaking uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like how am I going to get up in front of these people and women and or men we have men to come um which is great and and introduce I, it was just it was an evolution of myself personally of stepping out of my comfort zone and saying you have to do this <laughs> so um so yeah I think there is a need in every city for it I, I certainly do Okay, so to walk us back to like the very beginning. I mean, the first year I went must have been like 2010 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very different now. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just way more robust. There's The attendance is like six times as many people, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. So like you've really grown this thing. So let's hear about like your first meeting and then like okay. how it's how we've gotten to this point. Okay. So our first meeting was in a noodles and company. They allowed us to come in early. Uh, They opened up early. Um, It was really gracious of them. There was 14 women that showed up. And I just remember, I felt like, oh gosh, there's people here. (laughs) They came. Okay. Yeah, they came. Uh, Yeah, it worked. Um, 
And I started on LinkedIn too, which was a platform. It was fairly new. And it was back when you could download, you know, into an Excel spreadsheet, your contact list with all their information. It's crazy to think about now. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely more close. But anyway, um, so 14 women and um, I don't think we had any men come that day, but and then we moved out of, we, it got really big uh, after I think a, a year, maybe less than that, um, you know, 60 people. And then we were invited by Denver Hutt from um, the Speakeasy, yeah, to, um, to come there. And so we formed a pretty good bond over that for four, I think four years we were there. And I'm going to get emotional, but after she passed away, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of in a, in a way like, what do I, well, we were getting probably 75 people at, at the most coming. And I, I was just a little bit like down about keeping it going. I've been doing, I, I want to say for six years at that point, um, maybe five. Uh, and I wanted to just figure out a way to keep going. And I went to, an, I was working in another startup and then I, um, Allie Brettnacher, I started working with her. Love and, Allie. Yes. And so many people were coming up to me saying, you know, where is it? What, what's going on with it? And I would have one, I would skip a month um, because they are monthly events. And then I would skip a month. Um, then I'd have another one. And then people were like, well, you know, where are you? What are you doing? What, what we need these. And and it was really the community that was, you know, making sure that we kept it going. And so I asked Allie, I said, would you mind helping me with this? And she was excited. And so, so she really helped put a lot of the disparate, you know, databases that we had. And, you know, we were using all these different, you know, technologies <laughs> and putting them all together so that we can get, you know, one communication out to all the women. And so um, she was just a great partner and I love her dearly. So, um, and she started her own business, which is exciting. Um, so then we started getting hundreds of women, hundreds and up to, we started having to um, cap it. Um, the hatch reached out um, and we started doing our events there. Which and is so, a co-working space in Indianapolis for yeah, yeah, it was a wonderful partnership with the Hatch, and I think that's the beauty of what women can do when they get together. Um, they don't just build businesses; they build communities. Mm. Um, like just recently with Sarah Blakely, I think that's a great example of a woman who built a business and thought of it as a community, and she gave her employees ten thousand dollars in a free trip once she sold to um, a company. And it's just, it's just that mentality. I think women have, it's like, how can I help you? How can I bring you up? And how can I connect you to this person? And um, that's been just, it's been amazing. And seeing the women at the hatch support what we were doing, they were bringing in people that were offering to make, you know, free mugs and (laughs) offering to bring food. And it just became just a community. And it was, and it has been um, an evolution of what, of the power of women. That you're like getting me fired up. Like, I'm like, I need to do this. (laughs) (laughs) You can do it. You can, you can 
start a movement. <laughs> I just first research if there's something like that here. Um, it's so cool. So, so the way it when you know, when I would go to Lincoln Indie Women, you have like a little bit of chit chat and then there's a mm-hmm. speaker, an inspiring woman who tells their story in business or whatever it may be. And then there's networking and socializing and coffee. And that's kind mm-hmm. of the, and, and you get to meet people that you never, never would have met otherwise, likely not at least. Um, mm-hmm. I have a story when I, uh, you guys asked me to speak, I think at Linking Indie Women and yeah, I, I couldn't remember if you asked me or I pitched myself. I think you asked me. No, I, I yeah, we wanted you. So I know that for a fact. Um, <laughs> But it was a really big deal to me because though I do speak publicly often on podcasts and also, um, you know, like I host live interviews at races and things like that, I don't normally like stand in front of a group and share my story candidly without like breaks or pauses or anything like that. I'd never stood in front of a crowd for 30, 40 minutes and really shared my story with um you know, my personal life, but also my business. And, um, one of the women, one woman that I know in the community, Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, I'm going to say her name probably backwards. I might've mixed the, the maiden in the middle, (laughs) whatever. Um, but she was just in this group of women, they called themselves the badass women's council. And she kind of just like took me under her wing and offered to help me write this talk. Like for no reason, like she didn't want anything in return. She was just like, yeah, I can help you. This is what I do for a living. I speak in front of hundreds of people all the time. So she took time and met with me like for, I don't know, an hour and a half and gave me like ideas for how to outline things and how to like transition and really how to give a talk that was engaging. And I'm like, how freaking cool is that? That she just, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. And I've, since then I've been on her podcast, she's been on mine and we've communicated about different things, but like just being a mentor and a friend to someone that was a little bit younger than her, that she could use her gifts to, to help me. And so it was like, not only did I have this opportunity to grow in my profession by speaking in front of your group, I had this opportunity to be mentored by a woman who has done this before me. That's awesome. See, when you had asked me before about um, sharing stories, I don't get to hear all of them that come out of it, you know? Um, I don't. And that I haven't heard that. And that's amazing. And the fact that there may be more out there that I don't know is incredible too. But yeah, that's, I think that's the power of women. That's our nature. That's our, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a calling, but it certainly is how we're, how we're built. I, I feel like. Yeah. So, okay. So how many years are you in with Linking Indie Women now? And what does it look like in a post, like not post COVID, but like, obviously you had to go virtual (laughs) Mm -hmm. for a lot of, a lot of months. Um, but like what's happening now? So right now we're meeting, um, in person, limited, limited number, just so that we can make sure we, you know, maintain a little bit of spreading out. Um, but I think it's important for us to meet in person. Yeah, I really do. Um, definitely in the height of COVID when it first started, you know, it's we, we're still in COVID times. So I don't want to diminish that at all. But we certainly uh, we went we went virtual and the numbers stayed the same. We had 
That's hundreds so cool. of women showing up. And um, we decided to, to just start having the women donate to their favorite organization, um, the donation tickets. So we'd have, it's always been free, but we changed it when we went virtually to have um, women that were speaking say which, which uh, not-for-profit they wanted to support. And then um, we'd have a free ticket, a donation ticket, and uh, we've raised thousands of dollars. What a so cool that's been component. amazing. Too. Yeah, that's such a cool component. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Like, yeah, because, you know, the connections and things like, like that that you were talking about with women, like the, how powerful we are. It's like, oh, my gosh, an organization like this, you can raise so much. That's so cool that you've, that you've implemented that. And people are pretty responsive to it. Yeah, it's been incredible. And so now, you know, it, it's interesting. So I was, I was, there was a study that was done, I think, four years ago out of Brigham Young University. And the number one thing that predicts a, a long life is your social interactions. Mm-hmm. It's not, um, it's not weight. It's not exercise. It's not um, drinking, smoking, high blood pressure. It is social interactions. And it's, it's who you talk to at Starbucks. It's who you talk to, you know, um, it's not the strong interactions, it's the social ones. And so after we started coming out of COVID, that, that really, you know, just kept um, resonating with me. Like, we really, really need to be back together in person. So um, I'm committed to continue to do that, a hybrid model, um, potentially in the future, Um but certainly want to make sure that we still have the opportunity to connect in person. So, and how do you choose who's going to speak at the events? Um, again, <laughs> it's really um, the power of, of women. I get women that um, recommend other women and then women reach out to me and, you know, start to share their story and, and then they become a speaker or I, I find a, an incredible woman through just researching or, um, reading and um, ask her to, to speak. So, and what's interesting to me, the really good ones have been the ones that have been the most nervous. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, have been the ones that, I mean, they're all incredible and compelling. And sure. I really, truly feel like everybody has a story to share. But the ones were like, oh, I just don't, I'm so nervous. I don't know. How, how am I going to do this? Um, it's usually the ones that, that we, yeah, remember for a very long time. You know, I am by no means a professional public speaker at all. I mean, I haven't spoken in a crowd for that long extended a period of time, very many times really. But I always say like in my experience, if I've been on the news for like a, a hit on like running or something like that, where I'm, I'm being interviewed live on air to calm my nerves and in a, in a situation like leaking mm-hmm. any women, I always just say, have a conversation. You are talking to humans that are right in front of you. Yeah. When you start choking up and feeling nervous, just act like you're talking to one of your friends and you need to explain, you know, like what story you're sharing and just like try yeah. to remove that pressure that like thousands of people might be watching or whatever. Just like have a conversation with who's right in front of you. And don't think about the rest of it. And that has helped me. Um, we can ha- we can talk to Rebecca Fleetwood about it more, though, because she re- – Hessian, because she really <laughs> knows how to <laughs> talk in front of a crowd. That woman has a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, so talk to us a little bit about motherhood and, you know, pursuing your, you have a big career. You also have this big extracurricular thing that you head up. You have four kids. How old are your kids now? Oh gosh, old. <laughs> um, so uh, 24, Evan turned 24, um, a scientist, graduated from IU, very proud. Um, then Emma is 21. Um, she works for a tech startup here in town um, and she had a baby and her, her, and her fiance. Um, and stop it. Friend. You're a grandma. a grandma. Stop. I know. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. I, I am. I am. Which is, Do you love it? It's a, there are no words. <laughs> uh, it is, it's like all the joys of motherhood, except all of the stress. There you go. You could, you could be up with her in the he he or she in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is it is incredible. So that's been so fun. And then how old's the baby? Yeah, he is a year. Okay, he turned a year in November. So gosh, pushing a year and a half. But anyway, um, his name is Emmett. They named him after Emma, which is so cute. Um, anyway, so then Luke is 19 and he plays, uh, football for UND and a finance major, um, just a a wonderful human being. And then Noah is 12 and just super fun and spunky. And he's my little truth teller. He'll just tell you like it is. And everybody's little mascot. So yeah. Okay. So you have quite the age gap between three and four. Wow. Okay. So when you started linking indie women your kids were elementary the youngest was probably toddler. yeah yeah Noah was um I want to say he was like six months old okay that's so yeah. cool yeah and I remember gosh it was back in the day when I mean nursing wasn't wasn't you know we, <laughs> we didn't really help women that much nursing and working at the same time I would pump in my car. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember, you know, going, you know, it's all going to be worth it. You know, it's all, this is all going to be so worth it. And my boys are going to, you know, grow up in a, in an environment that's going to be different. And it has changed Mm -hmm. so much in 11 years. What do you, what do you notice is the biggest change? I think empathy and vulnerability is now talked about, which is something I was searching for, just craving you know, and those networking events, just craving. And, you know, it was a lot of passing of business cards and a lot of, um, I'll meet you at the golf course and things like that, that I just really didn't relate to as a woman in business. And, and now it's tell me about your family and how, how's your work-life balance and what are your other interests outside of, I mean, it's just, it's changed a lot and it's quite wonderful. More, su- more support for, mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing about it is, is like when you have really little kids, it's not, it doesn't last forever. Mm-mm. It's, you know, and it's like those first, that first year, really, especially if you're nursing, it's just like a whole nother ball game, but it's so temporary. And I hate that anybody feels like guilty that they are going to like mm-hmm. go pump or like take time away to do this or that or whatever it is. And I do think I don't work in a, like a public space or anything like that or for another company. I work for myself from home. But at the time when I had my youngest, 
I remember I, the company I worked, the nonprofit I worked for back on my feet, I was, it was a very young nonprofit and I was the first employee to have a baby at that, at that nonprofit. And they did not know what to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they, I think they had to like totally structure their maternity mm-hmm. leave around like, this is the first time we're doing this, which is wild. That is wild. That is wild. So like, I I was talking to my husband about this yesterday. I kind of had a meltdown and I was stressed out about work, just like getting everything I needed to get done. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was really, and, and he was really wonderful about everything. He was like, what can you give to someone else? And he didn't just mean about work because then I was like, I yeah. think, I think the difference between you and I, him and I, is that when he gets stressed about work, it kind of ends there. But when I get stressed mm-hmm. about work, I also get stressed like that the house is messy, that I'm not spending mm-hmm. enough time with my kids. And mm-hmm. he's an amazing dad, but he doesn't, he just naturally doesn't feel that. He doesn't feel the guilt if he's like working till six or seven or how, how related it is, or if he has to be away from the kids. And I don't know if it's my, it's a, a woman's nature. Um, but, you know, I told him all that and that's when he said, what can you hand off? And I think he was kind of saying like, should we hire someone to clean the house or, you know, yeah. whatever. So I'm just curious, like, how do you wrestle with those emotions? I mean, you're kind of through it. The, the the majority of your kids are out of the house, but talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it's an emotional load that we just carry around with us. Um to to ensure that we have all the plates still spinning. Um, and sometimes it's it's really okay. It really is okay if one of them drops. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world. Um, and so I think when I was going through it, and there were some really tough times, which is like, wow, how am I going to, you know, juggle all this? And I remember I worked for a startup where I had to, um, I was just telling my daughter this because it's changed so much. Um, I had to be there at 8 a.m. in the morning and I couldn't leave till five. And I was just like, daycare, how do I get them to, you know, this, but, you know, and then they were all in sports. I'm like, how am I going to get them? You know, and then they went, it was just, yeah, this is not going <laughs> to, this is not going to work. Um, and it's changed so much now, but um, I, one thing I wish I would have done that I did not do. And I thought about this a lot. because I just now started doing this is giving myself, um, more space with my girlfriends to do something with them was, I mean, a weekend trip, um, which I know when you have really young kids, it's really difficult to do. Um, and I always made excuses why I couldn't do it. When I started doing that, um, and just like once a year, um, it filled me up to the point of it would last until the next year. Um, just being just giving yourself some space to, to block out the noise, to give yourself permission to be, to get back to who you are is so important when you have young kids and we don't allow ourselves that time. So I think a lot of it is giving ourselves that time. Yeah. I don't know why I struggle with that either. I have one of my girlfriends. I think she would, she'd be like, yeah, let's do it. For some reason, I always want to bring my kids along with me. Why do I want that? I know I want to break, but for some reason, I still want to bring them along. What is that? I, you know, if I had an answer, I don't know. 
But I started doing that, I want to say in 2018. Oh, so sort of recent. Yeah. And it has been amazing. Um, and, and my kids t- now they, they talk about it like, you needed to have more fun for you. We wish you would have, you know, so I guess for anyone listening, I, I really feel like it's it, women need to give themselves permission to do that. What's it like being a mom to adults? The oldest, like that prefrontal cortex is almost fully formed here. You're like real, real time adult. I know. Um, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, I thought the teenage years, they, some of them, well, yeah, they thought, oh, we know more than you. Uh, sure. Um, it's, it's coming back around where they're, they're asking me for advice. So <laughs> it goes full circle. Um, it's, it's wonderful. They're my best friends. I couldn't it really, I mean, my son, Evan, um, yeah, just, we went to Patagonia, Chile together. Um, just the two of hiked. you? Just the two of us. Wow, that's um, so cool. Yeah, and that has been a life. As I was working, I just kept thinking to myself, you know, there are certain goals that I would have. And and that was to take each one of them on a solo trip. And I was able to do that. And now I'm thinking about what do I dream next? But um, yeah, so we went to Patagonia, Chile. He chose. Um, and we just had an amazing time. I didn't know Spanish. He does know Spanish. And Oh, that's thank cool. goodness. Yeah. Cause yeah, it was, it was really fun, but yeah, they are my best friends. So. That's so, so cool. It's funny. Cause I remember growing up, my mom, people would always say, you're not supposed to be friends with your kids. And mm-hmm. even now I always say it to my kids when I'm like snuggling. I'm like, are we best friends? I love you so much. <laughs> and I'm like, should I say that? And then I'm like, I don't care if I, I don't care. I don't care if we're not mm-hmm. supposed to be friends. As long as they know I'm still the authority data figure yeah. in the house. Like you are my yeah. best friend and, and I want you to be, we're spending so much time together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and that's one thing that, um, my parents instilled with in, in me, I, I was an athlete in high school and in college. And so they didn't miss anything. They traveled with me to play sports and everything. And they were my best friends. You know, they were the, my first call and I always wanted to be their first call. So, but yes, there was a, a lot of, there was a lot of open communication, but there was also, um, you know, there was discipline along the way. It's so interesting because I I look at families, like adults now that are like, oh yeah, my mom's my best friend. And that is just not how our family is. <laughs> like my Aww. sisters and I, we love our parents. They're, they're incredible parents. They're supportive. I, you know, if I'm sad or whatever, I do call mm-hmm. my mom, but she's not my best friend. And I'm always like, yeah. what did those parents do to cultivate that? Because it sounds really special. And it's mm. not that, you know, my husband has a good relationship with his his dad and he did with his mom and I do with my parents, but it's not the like, my mom's my best friend thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, it was nothing's off the table if it's honest, Yeah. right? If you are coming to me, um, you know, I love you unconditionally. You know, I always made it a, pl- a safe place for them to tell me anything. Um, sometimes I didn't really want to hear it. (laughs) I really did not want to know that. How do you handle that? If they tell you, you know, I'm thinking the teenagers, if they tell you something that you're like, Oh, like, 
What do you do? You're like, we haven't been trained for this. We take it as it comes. No, no. I think, um, I don't want to embarrass my kids, but there's some funny stories. Um, sometimes they were just a little too open and I, I, it was, it was hard, but it was also like, this is what I wanted for my family. So sometimes I didn't necessarily handle it. I would just say, I have to take this in and I'll be right back. <laughs> so I'll be right back. And, uh, and I just took some time, but um, I always came back to, I'm so glad you told me. Yeah. I'm so proud of you for telling me. Um, you'll understand when you're a parent that it was difficult to, for me to hear, but I'm so glad you told me. So yeah, we just, yeah. And it wasn't anything too crazy. You know, that's, that's really good advice though. I mean, even when your kids are little, I think that I used to blow up a lot more than I do now. Like just scream, screaming my head off because I didn't know what I was doing. And um, one of the things I've, I've really learned over the years is like, if I walk away, I like I don't have to address things right then. I got yeah. real hung up for a while there. I was just explaining this to my sister, my my oldest who was six at the time, which is just insane to think about. He had a three year old, mm-hmm. an almost two year old, and a baby brother. Like. He, of course, he's like emotionally going through some things. Yeah. He just had a lot of like behavior issues and like mm-hmm. he would throw around the word hate and things like that. And I'm like, how does he even know that word? And I would just be so reactive to it. And because I thought I have to squash this right now. This is not okay. Yeah. And what I yeah. realized is like, first of all, he probably didn't even know what that word really meant. But second of all. I just needed to be away from it. And like, we can talk about Mm -hmm. it later, but like if I try to address this in the heat of the moment, it's not, it's not going to work for anybody because I'm trying to address something in the heat of the moment with him while these other ones are all running. Like, it's just like not going to work. And so yeah, I kind of wish I knew that method or whatever it was, you know, years ago, but it's been super helpful. And I, so I assume as the kids get older, like you said, I'm going to walk away, <laughs> process this, and then we'll talk. <laughs> Be right back. Yes. Yes. And I, I think also taking the time, cause I, I was, I was like that with Evan, my oldest, um, I guess. And I think maybe it's a oldest thing, but I just, I kind of expected um perfection mm-hmm. to be honest I mean I I expected and that came from me I expected perfection out of myself as a mom so I projected that onto making sure that you know his, he got a 4.0 and it's, you know all these things and um and I think that comes back to uh if I would have really taken the time out for myself and filled my cup up when I was had young kids then I would have been more self-aware and I would have realized that I'm projecting on him. And, you know, and there have been times where I've apologized to them around, you know, how I was at certain points or some things that I've done or, or whatever. I think that's always good too, as a parent, you know, just being open to apologize. If you make them, you're going to make mistakes. Right. So. Oh my gosh. I, I think that I, I don't know if I apologize too much, but I feel, or maybe that just means I blow up too much. Cause I feel like all day I'm like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have like freaked out like that or mommy's in a bad mood or I don't know. It's, it's constant. Yeah. So, okay. Well, what's the next for linking indie women? Like I always say like, 
it's okay to just be content with what it is, right? Yeah. People yeah. ask me this all the time, like with my podcast network and stuff. And for the past two years, I've really just been like, I'm good. Like this is what I can handle right now. And it's, it doesn't mm-hmm. need, I don't need dreams for it right now. It's not to say in a year I might not have a different dream, but um, how, how do you feel about that with linking indie women? Yeah. So I do, I have, I have recorded a podcast. We are launching that in February just to bring more women in. Um, it, it won't replace the in-person events. I think those are still really crucial, but we will have a podcast. Um, and just so more women can share their stories and globally too with Adobe, my work, um, my tech work, I work, uh, with a global team. And so I've met some incredible women throughout the world and we, we share common themes. <laughs> we, we are all the same, just in a different region, not all the same, but we have, we share some commonalities. And so I, I want to, you know, shed light on, on that as well. Um, I'm just at a point in my career in my life that I, I was giving back and, you know, with linking any women, women, but I, I really, I want my life purpose to be that. And so I want to, I want to reach more women. I want to do, um, to do more. I love that. I think about purpose so much. And oftentimes when I'm feeling like I'm having a miserable day or I'm just like down on myself, giving myself a pity party, I think what it boils down to is I don't feel purpose. Really? Yeah. I think that like with whatever, and and it could be a temporary purpose. It could be like what I am doing for that specific day. Right. But you found your purpose. I think I'm still looking for my purpose, honestly. And I think it's so cool that you, you know, this is it. This is your purpose. Well, I say that with a caveat because I think, I think it can change. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think, like what you're doing right now is amazing and the lives that you're touching that like the stories that, that I don't hear, there's stories that you don't hear. Um, and sometimes you don't, you don't know. (laughs) Um, but I mean, raising your children and being an entrepreneur, I mean, that, those two, (laughs) I mean, incredible. So yeah, I would, I wouldn't, be hard on yourself for not knowing your purpose. I think it's an evolution. I, I really that. do. I love that. Yeah. I do yeah. try I do try to lean into that, you know, when um like I, it was Friday when I was feeling a pity party. I was like <laughs> slow down. Maybe your purpose mm-hmm. today is to like make good food for your kids and like sit on the floor and do a puzzle. Like you don't have to feel this like deep sense of purpose for at the the world or what you're doing for the world every single day. And I will say, I thought that and I still was a dooms, like a doomsday, like just like Whoa, the whole rest of the day. Still, I, I turned it on the following day, but I do think it's important to put it in perspective, but I do think yeah, I, I, I love that you say it's an evolution because this is you feel this purpose now, but like it can change and grow and like you didn't probably know about the podcast that you were gonna do with the you know, more global a year ago or three years ago. Mm-mm, no. And I will say one thing that has been interesting to me is that um, you know, with all the different titles that we have, um, mother, um, friend, sister, wife, um, I think 
that it's interesting, you know, with the, with the moments that we have. Being a, an older mom now, my kids are able to share with me some of the most um, compelling, memorable times in their lives were ones where we were doing the mundane. Mm. And, and to hear from their perspective how I've touched them in, in a way in that moment, something that they've learned or something. It's just, it's been amazing to see. And it, it made me look back and go, man, why was I so hard on myself? Yeah. Like they, they loved my tiny ranch house that was like 1200 square foot. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, getting in the bathtub for a tornado, they enjoyed that. Moment. <laughs> we all huddled together and like, there's a lot of wonderful moments in the mundane. Our power went out the other day and it was not a big deal. I mean, it went out at like 5 PM and came back on in the middle of the night, but I thought about that a lot. We le- we ended up leaving the house for a little bit to get out and we went and got the kids McDonald's so we didn't have to cook dinner. And, you know, then we got back and we like had the flashlights out and the head and we had, they all got headlamps for Christmas, which was just kind of worked out with the power being out. So we're all walking around with our headlamps on and I'm like, oh my gosh, this memory, like they're going to, this is going to be like stamped in their minds from just, and it's like a little of annoyance for my husband and I, but like, they're going to look back. Remember that time the power went out, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so fun. Yes. Yes. Um. Okay. Tell us about the trips with your kids real quick. Like the, you did chili. Have you, yeah. have, now this is like a thing you want to do one a year with each kid. I mean, you got four kids. That's hard. What's yeah. the, what's yeah. the goal? So, yeah. So I want to take solo trips with each of them. So I took Emma to, we went to San Francisco. She actually went on a couple with work trips and mm. stuff with me. So she kind of, she kind of checked that box. Um, and then my 19 year old, we just, we just hiked in the Pacific Northwest. We went to um, Olympic National Park and, it was incredible. Um, and then my youngest, we went to Disney World. <laughs> just the two of you. Um, yeah, just the two of us. Last Christmas, um, we got the heck out of town and uh, just opened up, I think. And it was weird. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> I don't know. You know, but uh, we did it. And um, I have to sit, tell you that he would much rather just be at the beach or hang in the swimming pool than go to Disney World. <laughs> I think for me, I'm, I'm figuring out what that next dream is for my family. Um, they're all getting older and I'm just kind of figuring it out. I don't, I don't know yet. And which is really fun to not know because not, you know, have all these possibilities, right? Okay. So you're talking about doing all these solo trips with your kid. Now mm-hmm. you, now you're single mom. So can you talk to us about that yes. part of your story a little bit? Yeah. So, um, I, I'm married, um, my college sweetheart, I guess you could say, um, he played basketball, I played volleyball, we met at study tables, um, super young, got pregnant right away while we were dating. And so, you know, here I was an athlete trying to figure out, you know, I had this, I had to figure out, you know, school and um, being pregnant and, you know, my volleyball scholarship and all these things. And it was just a really stressful time. So, um, yeah, so we decided um, the best thing to do was to get married, um, have a family. And um, we had we actually had a small business together. We had a lawn care and landscaping company. Um, and that's 
where I really started to fall in love with technology. I did our website and, you know, graduated with a degree in psychology. Um, and we had two, two more children, Emma and Luke. And then, you know, we were just young and we had so much going on. We had a business, he worked full time. Um, just, I think we had three properties at the time and had employees and it just, it was a lot for young kids who really didn't know anything and, or East or themselves. Um, you know, as I was 19, um, when I had Evan and, and it was like, I didn't know who I, I was still figuring myself out. And so, um, yeah, I was reading everything I possibly could, but yeah, still figure myself out. And, and so was he. So we, our, our marriage ended and, um, and I did what everybody should do when they get divorced is they date, they, they go and get a job at Starbucks <laughs> <laughs> and then they, then they end up dating the one they, they, they date one person, which is their manager, and then marry that person um, without still having time to heal or having time to really, you know, understand who I was as a as a as a person. Um, so, yeah, that it was it was too soon, and uh, our our marriage ended like four four years later, and we had Noah um, during that time. So. Yeah, so I've been single for going on nine years. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I realized yeah. it was that long. I know, me either. <laughs> See, you know, someone can listen to your story with Linking Indie Women. They'd have no idea how many layers there really were. I mean, you know, I, I always say this about my parents. They were super young when they had us. They Same age, 19, when they had their first. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, having my first baby at, almost 30. I just can't imagine. I cannot imagine doing it that young. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like a different, it feels like a different life. It feels like a different person because I am so different. Um, but I was a good mom, you know, I was, um, probably not a good wife. (laughs) You know, I just, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I look back and I think all these different parts of my life just feels like such a progression of myself. seems like you've had so many lives, honestly. Yeah. Uh, what is your message to a single mom who's like walking through it? I mean, people get divorced for different reasons, or maybe there's mm-hmm. a widow, whatever it is. Like, what is your message to the single mom? I would say give yourself time, you know, give yourself some time. And go easy on yourself, you know, like Adele says. <laughs> Give yourself yeah, time. I, I, it is, it, you, you need time. And um, it's an adjustment. You know, there's, there's no way around it. Divorce is like a death. Mm. It really is. And you, I don't want to tell anybody what to do, but for me, taking it, in a not to take it lightly because it, it really is like a death and um and I dated in the last nine years um and I actually was engaged at one point oh, really? and then I started to realize I wasn't I wasn't there yet mm. so and that's okay and so I just continue to take my time <laughs> 
been a long time. I'm not saying wait nine years, but um, just really get to know who you are um, before you allow anyone else in your life. Um, and then last question about that. How do you talk about that with your kids? Just divorce. Yeah. So that's where we can come to each other, honestly. Yeah. Um, they constantly, I mean, it's just an open communication of, uh, and, and they all have their opinions about where they think mom should be. Mom should be dating. Mom mm. should be, you, know, you should, you should go have fun and you know, all that thing, all the things, but, um, but they're very open. I mean, there were some difficult times, you know, um, I wasn't the best co-parent at times. Um, I, um, yeah, I was just, really, really honest with them as much as I could without putting adult things um, on them, just being able to share it in their words and in their terms and not, um, and not give them anything heavy. You know, kids don't need that. You know, they need to have a, a life that is a wonderful childhood. You know, I think all kids deserve that. So, um, you know, but what was really, what has been wonderful has been the ability for me to stay connected with their grandparents mm -hmm. and you know they, we all you know go to sporting events and sit together we did and before they all graduated but now Luke's um, playing football in college but um, you know they come over for Emma's baby shower and we all have it at my house and um, you know we we have a very good relationship, I would say now. Um, but again, when when you're not taking the time to do the deep work with yourself and figure out like who you are and things that you know you normally did, you probably did until you were thirty. Right. <laughs> I didn't right. Know. Right. <laughs> you know, at nineteen, you think you have the world figured out, and then your brain's not fully developed, and yep. so then you realize. <laughs> and then you have three babies. I'm not even. Yeah, I'm not even a whole person yet, but let <laughs> me just start a family. Um, yeah, uh, but I think it's you know I've I've been to I've been through lots of therapy and um, I read a lot of books. <laughs> not that books will teach you everything, but I think just taking that time to fill your soul and to understand really like how you work everybody's different and everybody's needs are different um i've i've gone i've gone inward a lot over the past nine years and and i really love who i who i am on the other side of that right and and Good. so yeah it's just uh yeah i i've enjoyed being a single mom um more than i ever thought i would ever <laughs> i was so scared um to be alone and that's part of my pattern of, you know, hey, you know, why don't I date and marry one person and, you know, not figure out what I want or who I am. So that has been an evolution. And um, yeah, the kids, you know, yeah, they, they definitely have their ideas of who I should date. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Match but, make mom. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but it was hard. I mean, some of it was hard and some of it is also coming back to them and apologizing. Now looking back, what's your best advice in the co-parenting world? Like, obviously like 
you can't redo anything you did mm -hmm. or whatever, but like, yeah, it, you can like look inside the window now. Mm. I think when it comes down to it, it's don't let yourself engage in negativity and negative conversations because it doesn't benefit anyone. You look back and you're like, that didn't matter. Mm. It really didn't matter. And what mattered is if the kids were happy and if they felt loved. Well, Sarah, I, this has been so wonderful. I think one of my favorite things in life to do is talk to a mom who has like done this before me. Like mm -hmm. our stories are different, obviously, but mm -hmm. like just someone whose kids are 10 years older than mine, whatever it is. It just like, I don't know. It's, it's a very nurturing feeling and it feels very comforting. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. My, my pleasure. I'm, it's weird to say that I'm actually on the other side, almost, I mean, no, it's 12, but like almost on the other side of yeah. um, raising them, which is so weird. Uh, is it weird that my youngest is three and I'm already thinking about how much I will love grandkids? That's weird, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, because I have to say, everybody says this, you know, the days are long, but the years are short. Um, it, it is true. Yeah. Like I blinked, I blinked and you know, I'm like what? It's crazy. Um, okay. Well, what is one thing professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I, I love to travel. So I'm really looking forward to, um, I want to go to Alaska. I think I want to go back to Banff. Um, and I want to take my, my kids with me going back to that, you know, yeah, I want to go by myself. It's like I, yeah, I want to, I want to do a family trip in Alaska. How does that work? Do significant others get to come? Now they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll they'll want that. Yeah. Um, okay, mm -hmm. what's the best most recent book you've read? Um, gosh, well, I'm reading right now Atomic Habits. I haven't finished it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a so far a really good one. Um, I love I loved Brene Brown Braving the Wilderness. That was phenomenal. I'm reading, when I say reading, I do audiobooks. <laughs> so, um, the Alchemist is a really good one. Oh, I need um, to go back and read that again. Yeah, I'm rereading that. Um, I'm a, a friend of mine is, is doing a book club. So um, I just, there's so many things I missed. Yeah. I mean, I read it when um, I was like 23. So I definitely missed a lot. That's interesting. Yeah. Rereading re something again. And I'm a huge Eckhart Tolle fan, The Power of Now. Uh, women who love too much is a good one for women who need to stop the cycle of trying to save people that don't mm. want to be saved. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what is your last message to leave with our audience today? Share your story mm. because you never know who it's going to impact. And it's important. Everybody has a story to share and um, I think uh, Brene Brown said that stories are data with a soul and we have to, we have to share our stories. Hey friends, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show. You all can learn more about Linking Indie Women when you go to linkingindiewomen.com. This podcast was a crossover episode. I also aired it over on my podcast for parents called Why Is Everyone Yelling? 
So definitely go check out that show as well if you are interested in that part of the conversation. You can find this show on Instagram. We are the Illuminate Podcast. And you can also find our podcast network, Sandy Boy Productions, on Instagram as well. We would love to connect with you. You can find me personally. I am lindsayhine 626 I would love to connect with you online. All right, friends. Thanks for being here. And we will see you next week on the Illuminate Podcast.